Hey everybody, and welcome to another episode of Magic with Zuby. My name is Zuby, in case you didn't know, and that is spelled Z-U-B-Y. I don't know why I decided to have you guys just learn how to spell it now, but you know what? That's what we're doing. Um, yeah, so it is an awesome day today. I got done mowing the lawn and doing yard work and cutting trees and trimming hedges because that's what an adult does, and that's what your life sort of becomes after a while, where you just go to work, come home, take care of your house, and you realize, oh crap, the lawn has to be mowed, and it's summertime, and the lawn has to be mowed like two times a week. Oh great, yay, that's my life. But anyways, so before we begin, let's get into a little bit about where Magic with Zuby can be found. Um, it can be found and featured on LegitMTG.com, which is a pretty awesome website. They've got a lot of content there, tremendous amounts of content. Let me tell you, the best content that you can find for Magic the Gathering. They've also got a plethora of Magic singles and seal product to where you can buy whatever you want with comes to booster boxes. I, do they have booster cases? I don't know. Maybe they do. You know, I'm going to see if they have cases going on there right now. And you're going to journey with me to see if they have cases. Um, oh, well, ah, here we go. They have booster boxes. Um, Yeah, they do sell cases. Okay, cool. Yeah, I just wasn't sure. I mean, I know most places do sell cases. If they sell booster boxes, they got cases. But you never know nowadays. So, yeah, no, they definitely do have booster boxes and booster cases. Um, and they've got ton of singles. You know, anything from legacy to standard to modern, commander, you know, whatever you need, they got it. So... As I was saying, Magic Wazubi is featured on LegitMTG.com. Um, also, in some other news, Magic Wazubi has its first sponsor ever. And let me just read the little copy they gave me. Uh, this week's episode is brought to you by Horizon Datasys, makers of Rollback RX. Or is it Rollback RX? RX? Like Rollback Pharmacy? Is it like RX or Rollback Prescription? I'm completely... Just screwing that up. All right, let me start it over. This week's episode is brought to you by Horizon Datasys, makers of Rollback RX. Do you ever wish you could take your PC back in time and restore to a pristine state? Rollback RX not only allows you to bring your machine back to any point in time, but it's a great way to recover from a bad driver update, viruses, or even a botched installation. Horizon Datasys doesn't tend to discount their product often as they know it's going to save you hundreds of dollars in recovering your PC, but for listeners of Magic with Zuby, they've provided us an exclusive discount. Let me bring up the link. You can visit horizondatasys.cleverbridge.com slash 281 slash P URL dash magic with Zuby. Um, I know that's a bit of a mouthful. I'm going to get, I need to get a URL shortener, but I'm also going to tweet that link out. So what's really cool. Um, I just wanted to talk a little bit about the product because what's really cool about rollback RX, if anybody is an it person such as myself, um, I don't deal with desktops, and servers. Well, actually, I wouldn't use this for a server. This is more for just desktops and laptops. Uh, I, I don't really do the desktops or laptops or servers anymore. I'm strictly pretty much networking, you know, with switches and routers and firewalls. But if I had a product like this back when I did this, it's pretty cool because it's it's sort of like, you know, I, I was talking with the actual owner of the um, program and you know, he gave me a good idea that I wish I knew about this product back when I did desk, especially laptops. You know, say, like I say, if you're an IT professional and you've got, you know, a bunch of loaner laptops out there, you got five to six laptops, and you know, every time you let someone borrow it and they bring it back, it's going to come back and it's all fucked up. Well, Rollback RX allows you to take sort of snapshots, so to say, 
to, you know, you'd want to take a snapshot of what the system looked like before you lent it out. So if they bring it back and it's all messed up, riddled with viruses, or they deleted a bunch of stuff, boom, this program right here just allows you to bring it back to that state. It's a real easy way of, you know, restoring that snapshot to, so you don't have to re-image a computer, which is the best thing about it. Because we all, if you're an IT professional, we all know what a pain in the butt it is to re-image a computer. You know, re-imaging doesn't take that long if you've got a pretty good um, WDS server, MDT. But if you aren't, but you've got something like Semantic Ghost, Semantic Ghost, oh God, let me tell you, Semantic Ghost, that is a pain in the ass. I mean, it's not bad. Well, I mean, I haven't used it in like five, six years, so it could be way different than what it is now. But, um, no, it's just this really saves you headaches for, you know, dealing with having to restore software or get rid of viruses. Because if, if you're an IT, if you've been in IT, you know what a pain in the ass it is to you know, have to reinstall drivers and operating systems. It's And it's a waste of time, too. So definitely look this up. They, you know, I think the more, like, licenses you buy, um, you know, the cheaper it gets in the long run. Um, you know, it's, you buy the program, you, you buy the program outright, but it also comes with the yearly maintenance that it comes with. So... You know, you, you, you buy the one-time program, you get the maintenance for a year, you know, you buy with it, and if you decide, I mean, I mean the, the maintenance actually is really cheap and it comes with all the updates, so I don't know why you wouldn't keep it, but I mean, I, it looks like you don't have to have the yearly maintenance, but it's such a negligible amount, it's worth it. And plus, you know, if you're not an IT professional and you don't do this for a living, but you know, you have your, you know, you're the go-to computer guy. You've got your parents that can, you, you know, you've got parents and grandparents that constantly screw up their stuff. You know, get them this, boom, be done with it. Well, that was a little bit longer of an ad than I wanted to, but I was just really happy to announce that we got our first sponsor for Magic with Zuby. You know, excuse me, I'm going to tweet out the link. Um, I'll have a shorter link. Oh, excuse me. I just got done eating dinner a little bit ago. And so I'll tweet out this link to where if you're really interested in it, and if you got any questions, you can ask me. Um, like I said, I've used the product. I've used many products like this since, you know, I, I'm an IT person, but this is one of the, the better products out there. So where else can you find Magic Wazubi? You can find Magic Wazubi not only on LegitMTG.com, but you can find it on MTGCast.com, which is a really awesome network of Magic the Gathering podcasts. They have a lot of cool podcasts out there. You know, I, I'm on there. You've got other podcasts. I mean, there's so many on there. You just just check it out. MTGCast.com. Really awesome. And you know what? I have to give a shout out to a little forum that started up around the same time that I started Magic with Zuby, and that is called, if I remember correctly, called Kitchen Table MTG Forums. They just introduced um, a little RSS feed, like blog thing, I guess you would call it, to where, you know, people can upload their podcasts on, and I've decided to upload Magic with Zuby on there, and the main guy... Lasrak, La Lasaric. I'm probably completely butchering that. He, um, you know, I've talked to him and he's a he seems pretty cool. And I've uploaded every episode of Magic Wazubi on there, and I've also participated in the forum. Um, I would definitely implore you guys to check them out. It the website is kitchentablemtg.com/forum. They're still pretty new. Um, there's not a lot of people there yet because you know it's still a pretty new site, but from everything that I have seen, it's some pretty good conversation on there. Really, really friendly. I mean, I haven't seen a lick of anybody being negative or nasty. And you know, if you go to MTG forums, there's always going to be that, oh, well, I top eight a Grand Prix one time, so I know everything about magic and I am the greatest. It's like, no, no, you're not. Not at all. 
Um, but yeah, definitely check that website out. I just want to give a shout out to Kitchen Table MTG for, um, you know, giving them thanks for, you know, letting me upload my podcast there. So where else can you find Magic Wazubi? You can find it on Facebook, facebook.com slash Magic Wazubi. Twitter, twitter.com slash Magic Wazubi. Um, my personal Twitter, at Zubatron, Z-U-B-A-T-R-O-N. Magic Wazubi is also available on iTunes. Oh, God. <laughs> so I have show notes here. You know, I, I just do, like, little show notes of, you know, what I what make sure to announce and say and all that. And I put where to find Magic Wazubi, iTunes, TuneIn Radio, Google Play, LinkedIn. No, you cannot find Magic Wazubi on LinkedIn. I don't know why I was thinking that. It must have been a Freudian slip. I guess you would call it. Well, you can also find it on Stitcher as well. I really like Stitcher, by the way. They're quickly becoming one of my more favorite podcast player apps, I guess. Um, yeah. But also, I announced this before on the previous episode, Magic Wazubi can also be found on NerdArchetypeNetwork.com, which is a brand new network myself and... My buddy, Butler, have started. We have started this network. Um, the website, nerdarchetypenetwork.com, is going to be another RSS feed, which you can find on iTunes right now, of all our podcasts. We've got three podcasts in the network right now. We've got Magic with Zuby, VCR Gaming, which is me and Butler's video game podcast. And we've got the Anime-a-thon, which is a guest who's been on Magic with Zuby a couple times, Alec. Him and his wife do this awesome uh, anime and bleh, anime podcast, and it's it's really good. I, I would definitely check it out. Um, yeah, and we I'm looking for content writers talk about magic or video gaming or anime or I mean not really anything, but if you know if you want to come up with something creative, let me know. I'll be glad to you know get you an account set up on there so you can start writing. You know, just hit me up on Twitter, and we'll see how it goes from there. So, that is about it. So, today's episode is going to be about budget and creativity. So, when there's a lot of talk in the magic community about what is budget, what is budget magic, um, a lot of people will infer to the more popular Saffron Olive, who comes up with some really cool ideas for budget decks and the only downside to his decks is as soon as he releases one boom prices skyrocket and it's just sort of like if you don't get if you don't find that deck like within an hour it comes out that all the price is not going to be budget anymore um and he doesn't just do budget standard but budget modern as well i don't has he done budget legacy maybe but anyways so I guess I just really want to talk about what it means to be budget. And it's something that, like I said, a lot of people discuss and bring up about. Because when you're wanting to get into competitive play in Magic, one of the first things you're going to realize is Magic is not cheap at all. It is, it, it is and can be a very expensive hobby, but it also really depends on what you want to get out of it. You know, if you're... Like I said, I originally designed and started this podcast for the competitive player. So if you're wanting to really get into that competitive scene, you need to realize, one, it's not cheap. And two, you need to start budgeting your money out for what you're going to want to do. And I've had other episodes where I've talked about you're only going to really want to buy singles. Sealed product is just a waste of money. I like to buy a booster box at least one booster box every time a new set comes out. And that's just my preference. While I could save a lot more money by not doing that and buying the cards I need, it's just the thrill of opening up packs is fun. Um, but if you're really more budget conscious and, you know, it's something that it's something that we all need to learn when we grow up and start going out on our own is how to budget money. So, you know, you have to learn how to pay rent, electricity, uh, your car, car insurance, all that stuff. So the same can be applied towards magic. Um, you know, you put aside a certain amount of money each month for what you want to do. 
you know, you put aside 50 bucks a month for magic and, you know, half of that money will go towards paying for FNM fees or maybe tournament fees. Well, tournament fees are a little bit more expensive, but you get what I'm saying. And so it's really deciding it's tough being budget because someone like me who is, I'll build a deck and I really like it and I do well at FNM and I take it to a PPTQ and maybe do well. And then you see the next hot thing and you're like, Ooh, I want to build that. That looks really fun. I sort of have that, that ADD when it comes to magic decks. So I'm not the most budget conscious player, but you know, I've done it in the past where, you know, you really force yourself to, okay, if you're going to build a tier one deck, especially in standard, because we all know tier one decks, tier one, quote unquote, will change. And especially, geez, with Shadows Over Innistrad coming out, tier one can change within a week. You know, one week, Bant Company was good, and now Bant Company is not found anywhere. You know, it's all green-white tokens, green-white humans, Bant humans, all that. I mean, pretty, it's collected companies everywhere still, but it's no longer just Bant Company anymore. Um, so, like I said, that's where it gets really tough. If you're wanting to get really competitive, especially in standard, standard is where it's tough because if you, and I, I guess it all, it's also your personal feeling, do you want to build that tier one deck and try to consistently win FNM? You know, is that your goal? Um, you know, my goal recently at FNM has not been to win. I've, I've won plenty of FNMs or, and gotten top four in plenty of FNMs. And to me, that's, you know, lately that's not been my goal. My goal lately has been to become a better player. You know, even if I go 0 and 4, if I'm making the best plays I can with the cards that I have, then I feel like I am becoming a better player at that point, even if I'm not winning. Now, I, that may seem counterintuitive to some people, but when you think about it, you know, one, magic is a card game. Card games always have high variance. There's always luck and randomness involved. Um, if you go in with the mindset of always consistently trying to play the best that you can, then eventually the results are going to come. You know, there have been many times where I have brought a tier one deck to an FNM and I got completely stopped because my quote unquote tier one deck, everyone else was playing the deck that was the best matchup against mine. And it's just luck of the draw. So and you know, then there have been times where I brought a budget deck and wrecked everybody's face because no one was prepared for it. Um, a good example is, I don't remember how long ago this was, but, oh geez, what was it? I was doing a landfall deck and it was, I think Battle for Zendikar just came out and I got, was it top four? I think got second or third place and I was just beating everybody because I don't remember what was popular at the time when Battle for Zendikar just came out. Oh, was, I think it was Dark Jeskai, I think, at the time. Right? Maybe. Yeah, but Landfall was just too fast at the time. But, you know, like, I'm just kind of rambling on and on right now. But it's really just trying to decide what you want to build and trying to decide for yourself are you going to be compet? Do, do you want to be the top of the tier? Now, if you're wanting to be tier one deck all the time, just know most, most likely it's not going to be budget. It's going to be expensive. And to me, budget is anything sub $100 in terms of standard, at least. Now, I've known some players that go even cheaper than that. They may go sub $50 or even below $30 for um, budget. And there's nothing wrong with that. Um, just know, depending on what store you go to, if it's a pretty competitive store, most likely your budget deck is not going to do well because it's not. It's either not tuned or the deck that you're playing, the meta, whatever it is, just may wreck it completely. Um, so... Like I said, it's really determining for yourself 
what budget you want to set at. If, like I said, and that's what drives me a little bit crazy with standard prices, depending on, <coughs> excuse me, um, Archangel Avison is a good one. Archangel Avison is still a really good car. When it first came out, it shot up to 40, 50 bucks. And now, now that it's not being seen as much in the meta, it's gone down to what I've seen about 20 bucks, 25 bucks. And while, like I said, it's still a really good card, it's just not seeing as much play as it was. So, you know, you may finally get that Archangel Lavison now compared to when it was 50, but she may be out of the meta and you may be out of luck. So that's what, that's where it gets hard because with a meta that's consistently changing, how do you keep up on a budget? So there are a few ideas what you could do for budget decks, especially right now. And I'll go over a little bit of them. Um, one of the things I always look for, especially when ro rotation happens, I'll look for a consistent mechanic that is shown throughout all the throughout all the cards. Um, for example, in Shadows of Innistrad, Investigate was a consistent mechanic throughout it all. And while Investigate is more of a limited archetype you'd want to go for, if you're of the budget mind, you can try to create a clues deck for standard. While it's not going to be the best, it's, you know, you could at least try to win some games and still have fun with it. I think I mentioned, did I mention episodes I... Either I mentioned it in a few episodes ago or in an article I wrote where someone brought in, was it Blue Green Clues, and it was an intro deck, and he made some modifications to it, and he got it to where he was basically not really getting infinite life, but getting a crap ton of life on, um, what, sacking token, not tokens, but sacking clues to get life, and I think he had Tireless Tracker in there, and... I really don't remember what what um what other cards but it was basically blue green control clues and he just slowly won and it was just more of a lockdown and I think now if I mean that was at the beginning of Shadows over Innistrad that that's what's I always really like about the beginning of rotation almost any wacky kind of deck can do pretty well um but you know that's just an example you know using like I said, that's what I look for at first is looking for a mechanic that is consistent and common. Um, madness is another one. You can try to build a madness deck. Um, you look at the sort of tribes that are in there. You can try to build zombies or vampires or humans. You know, humans, mono white humans was an extremely good deck at the beginning of Shadows over Nistrad. While it's still really, really good now, it's now shifted from mono white to white blue or white red. Um, Bant Humans now, which is white, green, blue. So, you know, like I said, it's just really... Like I said, that's, that's one of the things I look for at first. Um, uh, when Battle for Zendikar first came out, I had no idea what I wanted to play. My main deck at the time was before rotation. was I think it was Jeskai. Right before it was Jeskai and then Soul Artifact. Oh no, my deck before. Oh, crap. hold on. Let me just pull up. Let's just give an example. Give an example. Give an example. Let me see. It was Theros during Cons of Turk here. So yeah, Jeskai and in Soul Artifact. And oh god, that's right. I did play Abzan mid range. Ugh. But, um, yeah, those are my go-to decks before Battle for Zendikar came out. When Battle for Zendikar came out, the first deck that I built was Landfall. Because, one, I wasn't sure what the meta was going to be. And, two, Landfall looked aggro-y enough to where I could win some games. And I did win some FNMs with it. I had a really good time playing it. At the time, it wasn't tuned very well. Um... I don't think it was as fast, but when I started seeing a Tarka Red start doing well back then, I tuned I tuned my landfall towards more a Tarka Red, but a little bit more lands, and just used the pump spells, like, what is it, the Teamer Battle Strike, Teamer Battle Rage, um, Become Events, all that stuff. So, 
you know, that that's always a good thing to try to do at first is look at the tribes that are there. Look at the common mechanics that you may see in limited. Um, some other budget decks that you could look at in standard, which they shouldn't be that expensive now. Some of them, you know, they can be upgraded. Uh, this is just a short little list that I can go over and go over each deck a little bit. Uh, Blue-Red Prowess. Blue-Red Prowess, before Shadows of Innistrad came out, was not a top-tier deck, but it was considered at least more of an FNM level type deck. And Blue-Red Prowess, before Shadows came out, had, um, you know, Storm Chaser Mage, Monastery Swiss Spear, um, what was it, Elusive Spellfist? Yeah. So, you could even take that deck now and try to build it as a budget. Um, you have Elusive Spellfist, which is a common, which is not expensive at all. It's whenever you cast a non-creature spell, Elusive Spellfist gets plus one, plus zero, until end of turn and can't be blocked this turn. So, basically, it has prowess, but it doesn't give the plus one, plus one. The good thing with that is it, it becomes unblockable whenever you cast a spell. Um, there's good old Storm Chaser Mage, which is they the red and the blue um, flying haste one three prowess. You know can't get it. I basically, I consider it Monastery Swissbeard's older brother. Um, you also have Abbot of Carol Keep, which should be pretty cheap now if you already don't have it. Um, hold on, let me just look up the price of Abbot of Carol Keep right now, just as of right now. Because I know at first that card was pretty expensive, but it should have dropped down in price by now. Come on. Come on, Internet. Oh, yeah. Uh, you can get probably a playset for 8 bucks now. Maybe even less, because I'm seeing it for $1.60 on TCG Player right now. So, yeah, the playset of that is pretty cheap. And Abbot of Carol Keep is still a really good card. Um, it dies really easily to removal, but doesn't everything nowadays. Uh, what else for prowess? There's the Sanguinary Mage that has prowess. A 1 and a 3 prowess. It doesn't have haste. Um, no, what else would be good for it? Jorian? Jorian? Eh? Jorian? Maybe? Uh, I'm not, I mean, I'm not too keen on it. I like the, the draw your card. You know, heck, if you wanted to be a little bit more maybe mid-range you are prowess you could have thing in the ice i mean it doesn't fit that well but you know you are going to be playing a lot of pump spells well no i guess you are prowess to be more of you'd want it to be more aggro but i mean even then you find a lot of prowess cards that are cheap um the ones i just named i'm sure there's others i'm forgetting um heck you could get majoring bully too yeah right majoring bully i mean he's not that great but another prowess creature really cheap budget for sure is common two two prowess attacks each turn if able you know and then you get the was it slip through space which creature is unblockable you get titan strength um what's the other one it has the goblin holding a boulder brute force or something i don't freaking know um hey you get reckless bushwhacker and this too? Yeah, yeah, do Reckless Bushwhacker. That'd be good. And it's so, yeah, there you go. Budget deck right there. I mean, is it the most tuned? No. I mean, I don't have a list right now. But you just get some really cheap pump spells and prowess. You know, and you may take, you may go two and two that night. Or you may, you know, do well. You may take people by surprise. You know, it's all dependent on how you build it. Another budget deck is Elves. Uh, Atarka Elves, well, no, because Atarka Elves wouldn't be budget, but Green Black Elves would be budget. The one thing that budget Elves would be missing is Collected Company, and Collected Company now is not a budget card. It's, God, how much is it now? And I usually hate when people say this, but I'm really glad I got this card when it first came out, when it, God, how much was it when it first came out? It was like According to TCG Player, it looked like it was like five bucks when it first came out. I'm so glad I did because it's such a good card. Um, it's actually gone down in price a little bit. Um, I mean, it's still pretty expensive. It's a fifteen dollar card, but it was almost up to it was up to like twenty five bucks. So it's gone down about ten bucks now. So 
like I said, collector company is not budget. But elves is another tribe that you could do. Uh, let's see, how much is Sylvan Advocate? I don't think he's a budget either. Sylvan Advocate? Uh, I mean, like I said, if you're looking at a budget for less than a hundred bucks, you know, you could do Sylvan Advocate. You know, you could get Sylvan Advocate, Shaman of the Pack, of course, Gnar Root Trapper, uh, Dwinin's Elite, Dwinin Guilt Leaf Dayan, I think. You know, a two or three of. Uh, you get Leaf Gilder as your Mana Dork. You could also, hell, you can't, that Lone Dryad might be good in that too. Oh, um, not Lone Dryad. Uh, maybe. Eh. It's a one drop. Tap and untap creature you control. No, because you have to tap Lone Dryad to tap. Nah, it wouldn't be very good. Eh, maybe. Ah, I don't know. Um. Crap, what's the... There's Root, Leaf Gilder. I know I'm missing some. Um, you could even use Sylvan Messenger. Would be pretty good. You know, he could be your quote-unquote, almost like a lead the stampede type effect. It's more lead the stampede than collect a company. One more than lead the stampede, but it's a creature, so that that's a plus. You know, you're casting lead the stampede, and you get a 2-2 trample body out. Um, let me see, what else would you need? Is Might of the Masses still legal? Yeah, it's in Origins. You know, you can use Might of the Masses for pump spells. Is there a... I don't think there's, like, a good budget pump spell for all around. I mean, that's that's why when Battle for Zendikar was out, I did I did Atarka Elves. That was before Oath came out, which had Atarka's Command. I mean, Atarka's Command, that's not really budget either. It looks like it's 8 to 9 bucks a card. But then that that's splashing three colors, and at that point your mana base isn't going to be very good, um, especially without fetches. I, you could get away with a three colors three color elves back then because of fetches. I mean, you have evolving wilds, but it's not going to be good enough. Your land base, you would definitely need Lanawar waste. Um, what's the uncommon green black land? Is it SOI Shadows Over Inishrod? I don't remember. It's, you know, use those. Um, yeah, what else? Your other lands, there's no green-black dual lands right now. I mean, as far as from for from battle. But are there green? Dude, I don't know. But yeah, your mana base would have to be probably more skewed towards green than black. You, you want black as a backup. Um, Shaman of the Pack, definitely. Oh, what's that one? Guilt. Is it Guilt Leaf? Uh, Guilt Leaf Winnower wouldn't be a bad card, too. That be might be more of a sideboard card. Um, some of the other cards you want you would want to look at is Eye Blight Massacre, where non-elf creatures get negative two, negative two until end of turn. And it's a four drop. I mean, it's sort of like a mini languish, but it doesn't affect your elves. So there's that. Like I said, it's still not a bad... Um, card i mean deck per se um how much is nissa crap what is it crap what's the origins one nissa say not sage animus nissa vastwood seer how much is nissa vastwood seer now she's probably expensive yeah that's not really budget either so never mind because i mean if you did have, I'd definitely put maybe a 2-3 of, of Nissa Vastwood Seer as well. I mean, heck, if you could afford it, Nissa Voice of Zendikar. You know, but like I said, it's not budget, so. um, It wouldn't be a bad deck. It's the kind of deck where I'd almost want to play it more of game one, more aggro. It, well, it also depends on your matchup. Uh, anything like black-white control is 
just going to wipe have a field day with you because you're playing a lot of creatures. You're going to ping them for very little. Um, it's just going to be tough. Anything with Bant, anything that can get as many creatures as you can out just as fast is going to be tough for you. So this, I, I think now, since it's a lot harder to play three colors, especially with this kind of deck, it, and especially without collected company, it becomes a much tougher deck for you to try to win. But it can still be viable for fun. This I would consider more of a fun deck. I wouldn't consider it that competitive, but it'd be more of a fun deck to build. And, you know, you may even want to challenge yourself to see, hey, you know, can I build this deck and actually win? You know, I, I can see this being a challenge deck. Another deck that can be decent is red black eldrazi aggro um i actually built this it was the one that i built more budget it could be it's sub 100 oh wait th this is the one where fetches was still i think did i ever build one for shadows over innistrad uh no not really oh that one's almost 200 bucks yeah because I did build a, a mono red Eldrazi aggro, but that was more 200 bucks. So red, black Eldrazi, just going over some of the creatures, would have Dominator Drone, Dust Stalker, Eldrazi Obligator, which is super cheap now, Flare Drone, Forerunner of Slaughter, Sludge Crawler, Vile Aggregate, which I gotta say is probably one of my favorite Eldrazi cards. Eld Vile Aggregate is Vile Aggregate's powers equal to the number of colorless creatures you control as Trample and Ingest. So the more colorless creatures you have, boom, the stronger it is, which I really like. Uh, you could do Wasteland Strangler. The only downside to that is you'd have to make sure you have a quick... You have to make sure you at least have something of theirs in exile for Wasteland Strangler's effect to take, to take effect. Which that is, when Wasteland Strangler enters the battlefield, you may put a card an opponent owns from exile into that player's graveyard. If you do, target creature gets a negative three, negative three until end of turn. Which is really good, noting that a lot of the good creatures that are being played are mainly have three toughness or more. And, you know, that's why you see a lot, that's why I'm seeing a lot more spatial contortion being played which is it gives creatures plus three, negative three, until end of turn. Um, so yeah, those would be the creatures I would try to run in red, black, Eldrazi aggro. Uh, no, Murder's Crypt is gone, but Titan Strength would be a pump. Um, what else could you use? I mean, Fiery Temper for spot removal. I mean, I would just really go more creature heavy and just try to wipe them out. I almost feel like this could do slightly better than elves because you have forerunner of slaughter, which can give your guys haste pretty easily. Uh, and there's also some other, there's some other Eldrazi that you could use too. Um, that are from oath. Let me think, let me think, let me think. Is it that 2-1 flyer that can't block, I think, that came out in Oath? I can't. I think it's one in a black. I can't remember the name of it. But that one's not bad. Um, there's. I think there's another one, a 1-drop 2-1, that you lose one life for each time it's out. You know, you're playing aggro, you don't care about life. Until you die and lose. I mean, that's when you would care. But yeah, I mean, this is a really cheap deck. Uh, the lands would not be expensive at all. Smoldering Marsh would probably be, might be your most expensive one. There's the other, was it Foreboding Ruins? Foreboding Ruins, how much is that? See, and that's what always gets me is the land is always the most expensive part. Foreboding Ruins is about two bucks, which that's not bad. Say, so you could probably build this deck for, God, I definitely less than 50. I mean, I'm not going to really discuss about sideboard, because sideboard's all dependent on your local meta, in my opinion. Um, you can go, you know, one of the things that I always like to do 
is, you know, maybe go to MTG Top 8 and look at the other decks that are around there and see what they're doing and see what sideboard they're using. You know, maybe go to similar colors and be like, oh, okay, I can use Duress or Rending Volley or, you know, Roast or Transgress the Mind and be like, oh, okay, yeah, 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 and you, you can do that. And you, you know, you never know. You never know. So... So that is Red Black Eldrazi. I mean, Landfall, we already discussed. Landfall now. I don't think Landfall now could be as aggressive as it was. You'd Could you do a Landfall that's a little bit more mid-range? You could. You'd have Scythe Leopard, Snapping Gnarlid, McKinney Slide Runner, which... You might want to think about dropping McKinney. Well, yeah, you might want to think about dropping McKinney Slide Runner, maybe. Um, Scythe Leopard, Snapping Gnarlid. You could. Um, there's Undergrowth Champion, Mina and Den Wildborn, which Mina and Den, if I remember correctly, allows you to play an extra land. Yeah, you may play an additional land on each of your turns. It's a legendary elf. So your landfall deck will most likely be green-red. Um, you have Swell of Growth for budget, which is target creature gets plus two, plus two, and you may put a land card from your hand onto the battlefield. If you wanted to get a little crazy and sp spend a little bit of money, a Tarkus Command is perfect in this. But if you're not wanting to, Swell of Growth is really good. Um, Nissa's Pilgrimage, well... No, I don't think I would waste it on Nissa's Pilgrimage. I might put two to three explosive vegetation in it, where you put two lands on the battlefield tapped. You know, I could I could see it to where you play an Evolving Wild for turn. Say you say you put your fifth mana down. It's an Evolving Wilds. Oh, you play explosive vegetation. Uh, you know that's that's three landfall triggers. Boom! You crack the Evolving Wilds. Get whatever out. Boom! That's your fourth one right there. And that's dependent on if you have creatures out or not. Um, what's the other landfall? It's a red one. Is it Valakut? Hold on. Valakut Invoke. Not Invoker. Valakut Predator, which is a two and a red, two, two. And whenever land enters the battlefield, it gets plus two, plus two, which that's a really good one. So you might want to consider getting rid of McKinney Slide Runner and putting that in. Like I said, you'd want to look at more growth, not growth, um, more, more um, pump spells for it, and it it could be a decent deck. Like I said, I don't think you can get away with aggro right now because I just feel like it's not fast enough. Because you don't have, I mean, you have some good pump spells like Titan Strength and Swell of Growth. Um, there's no titan's growth or anything or titanic growth i mean so you're kind of out of luck there and yeah, i mean that's landfall in a nutshell um another deck you could do that's budget is werewolves um i know wizards just actually came out with a pretty good article today probably inspired what why i wanted to talk about this uh, I don't know where the fuck it is. Uh, well, whatever. Um, you know, I, I'm getting a little long-winded here. But other other budget ones you could do. I already talked about clues. Um, there's allies. Allies wouldn't be bad. Maybe white black allies get Zulaport Cutthroat, Kalistra Healer, um, any of the white allies that trigger stuff off. Hero of Goma Feta. That gives everything indestructible. Yeah. You could also maybe get... How much is Always Watching now? Always Watching can't be that expensive now. Or is it still pretty up there? Well, less than two bucks. Yeah, Always Watching could be good for, you know, black-white allies. You can do black-red allies, too. You know, it's... Ba basically, it's a lot of... What what you're dealing with in the card pool and what you can make out of it. And you don't want to spend a lot of money out of it. Now the hard part 
talking about all these is, is really fine-tuning the deck. If you're like me, you don't have a lot of time to fine-tune decks. That's why a lot of times I will go to mtg.top8 or go to Star City or Channel Fireball and look at the decks that have done well and maybe put a little bit of my own spice into it, and that's where I get into some creativity. It's, you know, a lot of people will look down on net deckers, which I don't know if I've ever explained what a net decker is, but net decker is when someone who just copies off decks online, and we've all done it, I've done it plenty of times, and I don't have any shame of it because I'll see a really cool deck and realize, oh, hey, I've got all the cards for it. Boom, I'll build it. Um, my Legacy Elves, for one, is a gr great example, which, by the way, I only really need two Crater Hoof Behemoths, and I need two Bayou and four Guys Cradles, and I'm done. So if you want to send them to me, please Twitter me at, at Zubatron, Z-U-B-A-T-R-O-N. I'd much appreciate it. But anyways, it's... So yeah, when it comes to being creative in your deck building, it doesn't just mean, oh... You know, I need to come something from scratch. You know, a lot of the great things that I guess come out of quote unquote art is based off of someone else. The way I look at it is I'll look at someone's deck and be like, all right, this is the foundation of what I want to do. I sort of get what they're trying to do, but you know, I will change, take out some cards here and there that may be more better fit for my meta in my local area. And, you know, it's not a bad thing to do because, you know, your local meta may be completely different from mine. There's been some weeks where my local meta was nothing but aggro. So then I decide to build, hey, I'm going to go control so I can stop these aggro decks from just wiping the floor with me. And next week I go there and everybody's playing control because they're all tired of aggro. So <laughs> it's one of those, you know, you're damned if you do, damned if you don't. So what do you do? Um, like I said, it's, and what I mean by creativity also is in just trying to use the foundation of someone's deck that may have won a Grand Prix or Pro Tour and build upon it from there. Um, one of the, let's say that's one of the, my favorite things to do is look at a deck and be like, well, hmm, well, I know this player at my shop likes to, you know, go mono green ramp and i really enjoy playing band company so what can i do to slow them down or stop them you know uh, i don't know I, i'm just talking out of my ass here but you get the point what i'm trying to say i hope maybe maybe i've been rambling this whole time and you don't understand a word i'm saying am i even speaking english hello can you hear me is anybody out there just nod if you can hear me is anyone home yeah, so uh, uh, one of the other things I like to do, too, is to give myself a challenge of, and before I get into this, I am not the best deck builder, nor do I claim to be a good deck builder. It's, there's still a lot I have to learn with when it comes to building decks and making sure consistency is key and knowing what my win cons are and all that stuff. I can build, like I said, I can look at someone's deck that's won and make it better in the sense of for my meta. But when it comes to just something from complete scratch, no, I'm not good. But what I do like doing, let's say if I have a really good night drafting and I go 4-0 and I was playing, I don't know, mono green werewolves or something. Or I was doing... You know, Sultai Eldrazi with Oath, Oath, and Battle. And I want to be like, well, hmm, could I make this work in Constructed? And it's even... And not not even just the archetype that I was playing, but what if there's also a cool little combo that you could make... Vi that is really good and limited, but you can make viable and Constructed. And I will... If I get that spark, that spark of creativity, I will try and figure out, all right, what can I do to get this to work? What can I do to get this to con consistently work most of the time? What what can my other win cons be? And just go from there. Half the time, it turns out absolutely terrible, but it's a good exercise 
and one trying to be creative and two try to think outside of the box and it's it's like solving a problem of you see the solution but how do you get how, what path do you take to get there you know and that like that's just one of my favorite things to do and i encourage everybody to try that too next time you do a draft and you draft this awesome deck and it three o's four o's a tournament or something just just be like all right i want to try to make this constructed viable how do i do it you know you know how it does in limited but how do you get there and constructed and whether that's standard modern you know that's even a better idea i've never thought of trying to make it viable and modern uh, i mean that's a little bit harder since you're only playing with since most of the time when you're drafting it's going to be standard sets so it's always possible. I mean, look at allies. You know, when drafting allies in Battle for Zendikar, you could easily do that in modern. Is it going to be good? No, but it could be fun. You know, I even made an ally EDH deck, and it's terrible, but it's fun. It, it, it's fast. It's really fast. But once you know the big creature decks start getting online, it's like, oh, look at all my little creatures. But they activate each other whenever a new one comes out. Uh, I'm dead. But, um, yeah, so, geez, I rambled on a lot longer than I thought I would. I, yeah, if anybody understood anything I said, thank you. It was awesome. But, yeah, I think we are going to end it here, and I'm not sure, you know, what I'll do next week. This was just sort of, sort of a spur of the moment. When I was mowing the lawn earlier today, I was like, you know, I want to talk about budget decks and you know, just sort of what you can do. And, you know, you don't always have to do tier one decks at F&M. Um, I don't recommend budget decks per se at PPTQs or IQs or any competitive REL events. Because most of the time you're just not going to have a good time. It's not going to be fun. Unless you've got this super awesome budget deck that you know can take down tier one decks. Then all the more power to you. Do it. Kick some ass. Get it done. So, yeah, I guess to end with, you can find me on Twitter at Zubatron, Z-U-B-A-T-R-O-N. Uh, you're more than welcome to send me emails at mtgzubi at gmail.com. Definitely check out the website, nerdarchetypenetwork.com, and have a great night, everybody. All right, thanks.